maybe what I miss is the belief that everything I need to know about the world fit in those neatly packaged books. Welcome to Midlife Mixtape, the podcast. I'm Nancy Davis Coe, and we're here to talk about the years between being hip and breaking one. Where do I belong? Tell me why I'm here and what's taking this long. When can I move on? I'm Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're the co-hosts of the Mom Hour podcast. And between us, we have eight kids from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share ideas and encouragement and remind you that it's all going to be okay. In every episode of our show, you'll hear practical tips, judgment-free advice, and real stories about how we handle parenting challenges in our own families. We hope you'll come away feeling like what you're experiencing right now is normal and that you're not alone or crazy. We talk about stuff like working motherhood, potty training, being a school parent, and getting meals on the table. From new motherhood to tweens and teens, we've got you covered, and our personalities are pretty different, so that's always fun. Yep, we're not experts. We are parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Join us at The Mom Hour, available wherever podcasts are found or online at themomhour.com. Hey, everyone, and welcome to a special summer episode of the Midlife Mixtape Podcast. I'm Nancy Davis Coe, and together with my family, I binge-watched season three of Stranger Things over the 4th of July holiday. Now, if you haven't seen the show, all you need to know is that they absolutely nail the 80s aesthetic, the music, the clothing, the cans of new Coke. And by the time we finished episode eight, and my husband and I had thoroughly lectured our two daughters on the fact that, yes, the mall was the great and vibrant town center of our people, I decided that we needed to wallow in a little bit of nostalgia on the podcast. It's summer, after all, and no one wants to think too hard. So I put the call out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Smoke Signal for good measure. What are the things from your 70s, 80s, and 90s childhoods that you wish you could bring back? If you had a time machine and you could travel back to retrieve anything, physical or metaphysical, from your past, what would you bring forward? As usual, Midlife Mixtape podcast listeners are the best podcast listeners, and I heard from a lot of you, and well, we're just going to dive right in, but be forewarned, this is some straight up Gen X shit, and if you're not down with the slacker generation, I'm not sure how much you're going to enjoy this, but I think it's what it makes it so good. We're very likable, you know. So pour yourself a fresca, rip open a fresh pack of Carnation breakfast bars, and relax and enjoy. probably not surprising that one of the big areas where people waxed nostalgic was in the arena of food. So that's our first category for today. Carrie wrote in about craft cheese kisses, which is something I do not recall at all. They were bite-sized processed cheese snacks that were individually wrapped in cellophane wrappers and bagged, and they came something like 40 to a bag, and you could get them in sharp and mild. Yes, I had to go research this. Um, I can't imagine you probably wanted to down a whole bag of Kraft Cheese Kisses at one time. <laughs> that that could cause problems the next day. But yeah, Kraft Cheese Kisses. Did you guys eat those? I, I'm wondering if it was a regional food. Do you remember back in the olden days when everything was not distributed nationally and sometimes you could only get certain food in certain places? Anyway, Carrie sent me a helpful link to the Kraft Cheese Kisses fan page, I guess. So I'll add it to the show notes in case you want to read and add your own memories there. 
I think I was probably too distracted by the Hershey Kisses that I was baking into peanut butter cookies during the 80s. That was a big chunk of my day was cookie baking all throughout the 80s. Carrie also came in hot with the Marathon Bar, but she wondered whether Michigan was the only state that had awesome kid food in the 70s and 80s. Now, the Marathon Bar, I remember... But for some reason, it made me immediately think of Charleston Chews. Do you guys remember those? Which I think may have only been sold at the camp store where I attended camp every summer. And I think there was some kind of law that the Charleston Chews had to be at least two years old before they were sold. And because that was, you know, how long they needed to get the consistency of cement. I just remember every time you ate a Charleston Chew, you had an aching jaw afterward, which was also what happened when you ate Hubba Bubba, because you knew you had to cut back when your teeth were throbbing, you'd gone too hard on the Hubba Bubba. Um, speaking of not particularly chewy gum, Bill wrote in and saw, he'd seen the picture I posted on social media of Wacky Packs. And he said, how could I forget those? Quacker Oats, Gatorade made from fresh squeezed alligators, hostage cupcakes. We were so funny. Bill said a cup of black coffee and I could probably summon up a few others. I don't know about you guys, but Wacky Packs were the currency in my neighborhood. We all sat around and traded those cards. And if if I remember correctly, the gum had about the same consistency as the cardboard cards. So thank God gum technology has progressed. Bill also commented on, and this is his quote, what an absolutely vile beverage tab was. Uh, Bill, I resemble that remark because I drank so much tab in the 70s. I freaking loved it. He says Fresca was a grapefruit-like diet soda better suited to cleaning brake parts than human consumption. And let us not forget Shasta. Bill says, I can remember seeing a Western at the local movie house as a kid. I think it was Rio Lobo. There was a character named Shasta in the film, and everyone in the audience started singing the Shasta jingle. So in my case, Shasta was my mom's drink, and no one was buying brand name Pop. Yeah, that's all right. I'm from upstate New York. We said Pop. No one was buying brand name pop for the kids in my household. You did not touch the Shasta. You drank the supermarket name brand pop and you were happy for it. And then when I was thinking about that, it actually bubbled up one of my dad's lines. I don't know. It just kind of stirred up this memory for me that when, when we were kids, if we said, I want, you know, fill in the blank, I want some new Famillari sandals or I want a new pet rock. My dad would say, yeah, how's it feel to want? That shut down the begging and whining. There was no comeback to that. So maybe that's something we could bring up to 2019. The ability to say to our kids, yeah, how's it feel to want? Finally, in the food category, Sarah E. said she'd like to bring back the Neon Chicken Restaurant in Noe Valley in San Francisco. She says it's long closed, but it was a fave back then. She said they had delicious chicken dishes, scallops a la creme, and Cotswold liver, which was sautéed in pan deglazed with sherry. The upstairs bar of the Neon Chicken was called Top of the Chicken. Now, a bar called the Top of the Chicken gives me pause, but then again, in college, I drank at a place in Philly called Dirty Frank's, and I once watched a man kill a cockroach on top of the bar and eat it. So who am I to be a snob? That's it for the food category, you guys. We'll move on from there to entertainment. A lot of you had music on your minds, and not just any music, but the music that was served up to us Gen Xers by the only channel that mattered. I am not going to insult you by saying the three letters out loud, but Lisa put it plainly. Can we bring back good old-fashioned music video TV? MTV and VH1 as they were intended to show videos with music news in between. Lisa lists Madonna, MJ, Tom Petty, she especially liked Don't Come Around Here No More, Aha, Take On Me, and George Michael, may he rest, 
Kristen agreed and said, I don't want to go find my own videos. I will never do that on my own YouTube. I don't want to lift a finger. I want Martha Quinn to play them for me while I sack out on the couch saying just one more. Anne from Austin also name checked Martha Quinn when she wrote in. So I do want to say, who's your favorite podcaster who got Martha Quinn to come on her show? That's right, me. Martha was episode 33. And if you guys haven't listened to that interview, I'll link to it in the show notes page. She is as awesome in the 21st century as she was in the 20th, I promise you. So check out my conversation with Martha Quinn. Otto wrote in to say he missed 80s music. And when I asked him to be more specific, he said, music for dancing with synthesizers, outrageous lyrics and outfits. And he linked to a Kaja Gugu video for good measure. So I understand what he's looking for. Bill said that he missed the sound of Phil Collins' snare drum, which he characterized as sounding, quote, like dropping a box of glassware off the top of the Empire State Building. I don't understand that, but I like the visual. I think it's cool. And then on-campus college planning said really great horn sections in bands and the sweet dance moves of backup singers. All right, I may not be able to bring back Phil Collins' snare drums or an MTV that does the hard work of choosing music videos and only music videos for you, but when it comes to Otto's request for 80s dance music and giving you a reason to practice your own sweet dance moves, I do have you covered. You may know that on occasion I'm a guest DJ for an 80s alternative dance party in San Francisco at the Cat Club, and this summer I have finally gotten around to putting all those playlists into Spotify for your listening and dancing pleasure. So if you want to listen to those, just open the Spotify app and look for me at Davis Co. D-A-V-I-S-K-H-O. I've put all my Cat Club Party playlists there and made them public, so you should be able to listen to them. Let me know what you think. The way the Cat Club 80s nights work is that there's always um, two featured performers, two featured artists. So you'll notice that each list goes a little deeper into two bands or performers. I'm sure you can figure out who it was for each of the playlists that are posted. Anyway, I can't take you back to the 80s, but I am confident in my ability to bring you a tasty mix of Erasure, The Smiths, Talking Heads, Lil Cameo and Janet Jackson, some Shriekback, some Violent Femmes, you know, the regular. Beyond the music... There are other things that kept us entertained in the olden days that we miss. Cindy says she misses a good variety show like Sonny and Cher. I'd love to bust out my impression of Cher singing Halfbreed right now, but that's actually something my friend Maria does so much better than me. I don't want to step on her territory. Um, I was a huge fan of Carol Burnett myself, but there were a ton of variety shows. Like, the, didn't the Osmonds have a show? And of course, Laughing, that was a little bit earlier, but where did the, where did all the variety shows go? Beth and Ryan both mentioned Saturday morning cartoons. We used to try to impress our kids by telling them that not only did we not have channels entirely devoted to children's programming, but that the only time children's program was ever shown was on Saturday morning. And I don't know about you guys, but in my TV market in Rochester, New York, it was cleverly marketed as the shh show. And they kept flashing reminders every Saturday as we would watch. They would show these little ads that said, Hey, kids, be quiet. Let your parents sleep in. My kids, by the way, were never all that impressed with the stories of my hardships. Amanda said she misses the Jetsons, but she also mentioned hobbies like pen pals, sticker books, and stamp collecting. And I thought that last list was a good pivot into our next section of responses, which I'm calling the good old days. Now, you know, I'm not prone to self-deception, and I think we all know that nostalgia tends to miss out on the very real downsides of any time period. And I'll just give you one little story. When I was growing up in the 70s, everyone in my neighborhood had a dog. Everybody's dog pooped all over the street. Nobody ever picked up the poop. That was just, you didn't do that, right? Then this guy moves into the neighborhood with his giant poodle, 
and he starts picking up after his dog with a plastic bag. We thought that was disgusting. We thought that was so weird that this man would pick up his dog poop. We called him the poop bag man. And when he waved to us, we were horrified. We thought it was less disgusting to slide through piles of dog poop that were all over the street. So sorry to gross you out, but I'm just trying to keep it real. Everything was not awesome in the 70s and 80s. However, there were some pretty magical things about our Gen X childhoods. And I wanted to start with a clip from my friend Liz. You know what I miss? The set of world book encyclopedias that my parents had in our living room when I was growing up. Actually, I think they're still there. So maybe what I miss is the belief that everything I needed to know about the world fit in those neatly packaged books. That, that if I ever chose to sit down and read them A to Z, I would be set. I would know everything. So, you know, of course, now we have the internet, which has no beginning or end. And I'm 40 something. And I have the knowledge that the world is way more complicated than a 26 volume set could ever capture. But I, I think maybe there would be something comforting about having those, those encyclopedias back on a shelf. We had world books. My dad actually built a nook where we could sit and pull them out and work on a desk and read them. It was like a shrine to our world book collection. So I love those things. Adam wrote in and said he misses two things about those days. One was the script lettering of the words air conditioned on the Woolworths store's doors and the smell of the interior of the store, a combination of plastic toys, popcorn and hot dogs. The other thing he misses is the feel of hot tar getting stuck on the bottom of your feet as you ran around the neighborhood with a pack of free-range kids. I do think we had some nice freedom that we have a hard time extending to our own kids in 2019, but yeah, that was those were good times. Beth wanted to know if any of us had dinner bells that your moms rang when she wanted you to come home. Remember that? Your mom's standing on the front porch ringing the bell. She wants to bring that back. Not only did we have that bell in my neighborhood, but do you remember how you knew the sound of every other kid's bell too? It was faster than texting. Like somebody's parent would ring a bell and you'd yell, you know, Mary Beth and PK, it's dinner time. Your mom wants you home. Of course, I live in Oakland, California, so the ringing of the bell would be drowned out by traffic noise and sirens, but maybe people still do this. Let me know. Do you guys still have bell ringing in your neighborhood? I always loved that. Alexandra says, I miss the fun of a phone call, being on the bed, stretched and playing with the long phone cord, twirling it in my fingers while I talked hairdos with my friends. She spent hours on Saturday nights like that, and Alexandra loved it. Who didn't? That was awesome. There was a great scene, in fact, in Stranger Things, and this is not a spoiler, but the mom is listening in on an extension when the kid is talking, and the kid keeps screaming, Mom, hang up the phone! And our kids were hysterical laughing, and my husband and I were like, uh, dudes, that was 100% real life. That happened all the time. And also, I was the youngest kid, so I had an uncanny ability to sneak the upstairs phone off the cradle silently and eavesdrop on my older siblings' conversations without them knowing, like, all the time. Like, it was my job that I was getting paid for. I was very sneaky as a third kid. I apologize to my siblings, but your secrets are safe with me. Um, we'll finish up this section on the good old days with a beautiful word picture Anne has drawn of 80s teenage life when she says, I'd like to bring back the 30-minute off-campus high school lunch in which you raced to Sonic with your BFF in the 68 Mustang she shared with her older brother, listening to his fixed cassette tape, wolfing down cheese tater tots and a cherry lime slush, and racing back to school with two minutes to spare. Samples from the makeup department at the mall, Clinique lotion, and... Anay, Anay. Is that how we say it? I didn't know how to pronounce it then. I don't know how to pronounce it now. N-A-I-S times two. Anay, Anay. 
She says, jellies, my Walkman, that purple flowered sweatshirt from the Limited, and Banana Republics with Jeep and Jungle Music. You remember those. So that's a good segue to what we miss fashion-wise. And the first comment came in from Laura. She says, can we please just blow dry our bangs sky high and let the rest of our curly permed hair air dry with a finishing touch of Aussie scrunch spray? You know you still have some in a bag somewhere. She says, I want my big 80s hair back. True story, in the 90s, when everything got very deflated and smooth hair-wise, my fellow tall, statuesque friend Shira and I used to commiserate all the time about how we missed our giant hair and earrings because they made our waistlines look so tiny in comparison. We presented as much skinnier in the 80s than we actually were. Laura added that she also misses the perfect acid-washed jean jacket and and maybe a dash of Draco Noir and one tiny spritz of obsession. That is that is the 80s right there. Lisa said, don't forget the scrunchies. Who else used to sew scrunchies to match your clothes? Yellow outfit? I'm going to make yellow scrunchie. I'll be back in 10 minutes. It's the easiest thing in the world. So if you want to make some scrunchies, hit me up if you need directions. I could walk you through it. Carrie remembered Lily Pulitzer purses with button-on reversible covers. Oh my god, this was the most aspirational fashion item of my middle school years, to have an entire collection of matching purse covers. But I feel like we call those purses something else, at least in our part of New York State. Does anybody remember another name for those? You know, they had the wooden handles, and then you you button the covers on. So let me know if there's a different name. I'm just blanking on it. Nancy wrote in to say, I still wear brown lipstick, Urban Decay 1993, and MAC Spice Eyeliner. I have no regrets, and she spells that the same way as Scotty P, about any hair, clothes, jewelry, or makeup I wore in the 80s or 90s. And finally, here's Lisa with a sweet memory about them all. If I had a time machine, I would bring back Foxmore Casuals from the Capitola Mall because they had the best thin-knit bell sleeve sweaters. And I would bring back my dad. Yeah, it's not all fun and games, especially not at our age when we think back to things we miss. Midlife means we've probably all lost someone dear to us. And Sarah E. wishes that she could bring back friends who died of AIDS in the 80s. She mentions Alan, Daryl, and Fred, and she misses them. And Amy says, I'd have to say my parents. I wish they could see my daughters today. They would take great joy in my family now. And Amy, I know that is true. So as we ha-ha-ha our way through this episode, we can also take a minute here in remembrance of the people we loved who were part of our youth and aren't here anymore, and a moment of appreciation for the time we did have with them. We were lucky in that sense. So I'm sending you guys all a big virtual group hug of empathy because we've all got people like that who we miss. And that brings us to one last category, which I'm going to call simplicity. And the first comment here pretty much says it all. This is Wendy Aaron's longtime reader, first-time caller. What I miss from years ago is that we only had three channels on the television. So we all kind of watched the same thing, and you were stuck with what the choices were, and you didn't have to figure out who was streaming and why it was streaming and what you can't miss on Hulu and where is Hulu and how much do you have to pay for that and where is Netflix and is that the same as Amazon streaming prime and what's this new thing that's coming out that where you can get all the movies i don't understand i don't want so many choices i just want three channels thank you 
Kristen says, I'm aware that this makes me sound like a crabby granny, but I really miss having only four TV stations and having to wait a whole week to find out if Pa Ingalls was going to make it out of the snowstorm. Binging and streaming anything you want, whenever you want, robs me of the anticipation needed to get me hooked on a show, and it robs all of us of a cultural touchstone that everyone participates in at the same time. When Fonzie jumped the shark, we all watched it at the exact same time, and we all showed up at school the next day dying to talk about it. We were building a collective culture that doesn't really exist on the same scale today. Example, if I bring my hands quickly to my face and shout, my nose, everybody my age knows what I'm talking about. My son doesn't have that to the same degree. Beyond that notion of the shared generational cultural touchstones, Ryan says, as much as I love being connected and reachable, I miss that feeling of just being in one place at a time. And Amber was on the same page with her comments saying, I miss monotasking. Seems impossible most of the time now. You know, I was just given a book called How to Do Nothing, Resisting the Attention Economy by Jenny O'Dell. And I'm hoping that it and the other book on my nightstand called Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport will give me the keys to figuring a way back to that simpler 70s lifestyle, that monotasking lifestyle. I'll let you know, but of course, in order to read it, I need to lock my phone in a safe so I can read without task switching 33 times per hour. Okay, and as we wrap up this episode, I do want to share what Jennifer answered when asked what she would like to bring back from the 70s or 80s or 90s to the present. She said, I'll be honest, not a damn thing. Well, that's cool. I mean, I don't want to be stuck in nostalgia either. I totally respect that. Um, But I think you're missing out on the craft cheese kisses. I'm just going to say that. I'm going to give the final word to Anne, who manages to cover almost every category we discussed with her response. What would I bring from the 80s? Number one, my metabolism. Number two, tangy taffy. Could be strawberry, could be grape. Let's feed that young metabolism, shall we? Number three, monkey bars and the ability to swing round and round without feeling like I was having an aneurysm. Number four, hours with only my imagination, whether it was playing in the swimming pool or playing school. Oh, yeah. Okay, guys, thank you so much for playing Bring It Back with me. What did we miss? What did you want to bring back that we didn't mention in the episode? Let me know at dj at midlifemixtape.com or find me on social media at midlifemixtape and let me know. Remember that those 80s dance playlists are available at Davis Co. on Spotify, D-A-V-I-S-K-H-O. And hey, if you like those playlists, you should know that I have playlists at the end of every chapter of my book, The Thank You Project, Cultivating Happiness, One Letter of Gratitude at a Time. And all of those playlists are going to be available on Spotify the day the book launches in December. So if you'd like a heads up on that, go to davisco.com and sign up for book news at the bottom of the page. I'll email you guys the day the book comes out to let you know that they're available. I think I spent as much time fine-tuning the playlists as I did editing the book. And honestly, I would love to just continue fiddling with them until the end of time. But the editor finally just called it on me. So what's up there now? I think it's good. I hope you like it. I also wanted to take a minute and give you a few quick updates from past Midlife Mixtape podcast guests that I thought you might be interested to hear. Uh, Pixar storyteller Scott Morse, who was my guest for Episode 7, has a great new graphic novel out for the baseball-loving kids in your life. It's called Dugout. It's published by Scholastic Books, and Kirkus gave it a starred review and summarized it as, Sports, spells, and sibling rivalry abound. 
It's a great summer read for kids who don't feel too motivated to read this summer. So check out Dugout from Scholastic Books. They won't be able to put it down. Author is Scott Morse, and you can hear my interview with him as episode seven. In other book news, the Grown and Flown ladies have written a book. Mary Dell Harrington was my guest for episode 51, and now she and her partner, Lisa Heffernan, have written Grown and Flown the Book, a one-stop resource for parenting teenagers leading up to and through high school and those first years of independence. It publishes on September 3rd. It's available for pre-order now, so check it out, Grown and Flown the Book. I also wanted to give you an update on Major Mary Jennings Hagar, MJ Hagar, who was my guest for episode 12. You may recall she ran for the House in Texas's 31st district last fall, and while she didn't win, she managed to draw within three percentage points of the Republican incumbent in a very red district. She's now taking everything she learned in that race and running for Senate in Texas against Senator John Cornyn. I encourage you to check out my interview with MJ, episode 12, and also check out her website, mjfortexas.com. You could make a donation there. I'm just saying she's running against a deep-pocketed Republican incumbent opponent. And, you know, the nice thing about being a military vet and a Purple Heart running for office is that MJ doesn't scare easily, but boy, she sure could use our support. So I hope you'll check out MJ for texas.com. Finally, I just wanted to give a shout out to headcount.org, which registers voters at concerts and other events. Their founder, Andy Bernstein, was my guest for episode 40. And they have a great list of opportunities for you guys to get involved to man or woman, a voter registration clipboard at concerts all over the country. And the nice thing is you get to stay for the show. So my daughter just worked at a local natives concert in June, and she's going to be signing up voters at a head in the heart show at the end of July over in Berkeley. You could go over to headcount.org and see how you can get involved, sign up for a show, because apparently the Supreme Court doesn't think gerrymandering is such a problem. So our best defense is getting absolutely everyone registered everywhere stat. All right, you guys, that's it for Bring It Back. Join me next time when I interview Maura Ahrens Mealy, the founder of the award-winning social impact agency Women Online and The Mission List. She's also the author of a great book called Hiding in the Bathroom, an introvert's roadmap to getting out there when you'd rather stay home. It's a guide for all the people who prefer those moments of hiding in the bathroom to constantly climbing the ladder or working the room. I'm really looking forward to my conversation with Maura, and I hope you guys will join us. And in the meantime, have a great week. I don't want to be this, don't want to be that. For me, I wanna be Don't wanna be this Don't wanna be that Don't wanna give up I wanna give back I wanna be free by whatever means Whatever you want from me I wanna be, be, be I wanna be I wanna be free by whatever means